into a new world of gods and monsters. Listen to them. Children of the night. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? I'll show you who I am and what I am. <laughs> I tell you, I killed a wolf, a plain, ordinary wolf. By studying these and other species, we add to our knowledge of how life evolved, how it adapted itself to this world. He went for a little walk. He could his face. <laughs> Greetings, all you guys. And welcome to the introductory episode of The Monsters That Made Us, the all-new podcast on the Cage Club Podcast Network, where we celebrate the spectacular characters and films in the classic Universal Studios monster series. I'm the invisible Dan Cologne, and joining me is my co-host, Monster Mike Manzi. How you doing, Mike? Hello, Dan. Good to not see you today. <laughs> I'm doing really well today, but I'm really dying to get started. So as I mentioned, this is our introductory episode. So rather than get into the nitty gritty of one particular film, I thought we'd introduce ourselves a little bit, discuss our history with these films, and give the listeners an idea of what to expect from the show going forward. Yeah, that sounds great. I know some people might know you, Mike, from your multitude shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network, Third Time's a Charm, and Cage Club, and Keanu Club, and Tom Tom Club. But you know, I've known you since we were students uh, in college about 10 years ago. Actually, a little more than 10 years ago, we, we graduated. Oh, man. Yeah, we were filmmaking students, and that's how we met. And then we had our first podcast. I think that might have been about 10 years ago. That's right. Should we give that a quick shout out? Should we say the name of that? So we did a show called Viewer Discretion, and basically it was a, it was a very early attempt at podcasting. I don't think I had any idea what I was doing. I had no clue what I was doing. No. Yeah, but we cut our teeth on that show, and now I'm back. I, I haven't been podcasting at all since then, so I'm really excited to get back into the seat and uh, be chatting with you again. You know, you've been on a couple episodes of various Cage Club podcasts, you know, over the last five years. It's been now, uh, you know, not just, you know, my shows, but High School Slumber Party and all the other sort of satellite shows that orbit in our universe of podcasts and everything. It's great that you're headlining this show. I'm very excited to be driving along with you. I'm super pumped to, to get on the way with this new endeavor. All right. So let's get into this a little bit. Mike, where does your history with the Universal Monsters begin? Where did you get? I've got a couple siblings, and one sibling's quite older than me, and growing up, he loved Abbott and Costello, right? And so it's kind of funny that my journey to horror started with comedy. He would be watching those, you know, Saturday mornings on Channel 11 or whatever, and every once in a while, you know, they'd go to the moon, they'd go to Alaska, they'd go camping, but then they would meet the universal monsters, you know? So, like, they'd meet Dracula and Frankenstein and the Wolfman, and that was probably my very first exposure to these creatures and I was extremely young they were pretty much there since the beginning I didn't realize you know until much later that they hadn't always been around you know that these things came from places and so forth and so on and much later on I, I actually was able to sit down and watch some of the originals because sure. it was the age of VHS not all of these movies were easily available most of them you know weren't even at rental stores because unless it was like you know a mom and pop store because how are you going to find you know the ghost of Frankenstein on VHS when you're you know nine or ten years old 
not to age you, Mike, but about what year are we talking? You know, like the early 90s, late 80s is um, when I started becoming like renting a lot of VHS, watching, you know, Planet of the Apes for the first time, I guess when I was like 11 or 12 or something like that. So my interest in science fiction was really peaked and horror sort of bled into that a lot. And I think Frankenstein was the first guy that I sat down and kind of studied and watched because I remember a kid in class in fifth grade, someone was in the conversation about monsters, maybe it was Halloween, and he was like, Igor is not the hunchback assistant in the original Frankenstein. Go watch the movie. It is not Igor. So like that was like, that piqued my interest enough to seek out that movie on VHS. Um, and then high school, like I just blew the doors open. I rented everything. I watched as much as I could, but I still haven't seen everything. Even though at this point I have all of these movies now, I'm very familiar with like the first one or two. I'm familiar with most of the Frankenstein and Draculas, but I have not seen every single one of these movies we're going to cover. So I am super excited to to do that, to complete the entire series. Oh, I am so excited for you, Mike. I have seen all of these from one degree to another. Some I know uh, much better than others. Some, you know, kind of blend together in my mind. So I'm really excited to sit down and watch these one at a time and watch them with a critical eye and really get to evaluate each film on its own. You know, I, I started watching these movies when I was a kid. And for some reason, we had a couple of VHS tapes in my home collection. I don't know where they came from. I don't know that I expressed any sort of interest in monsters and horror films at, at a young age. But I do know that we had a copy of Frankenstein and we had a copy of The Mummy on VHS. And so there was a day, and I don't know what it was that got in me, but I decided I wanted to put on Frankenstein. Maybe it was around Halloween and I, and I knew we had this movie. So I watched it and I like I absolutely loved it. And I've always been a fan of that movie. And uh, even before I was like really a horror fan, I always loved Frankenstein. And even watching it today, you know, it's it's obviously a horror film, but in a lot of ways, it's not a horror film. And I think that's why it was so accessible to me as a kid. You know, I wasn't, as a kid, I wasn't put off by, you know, black and white shows and movies. You know, my favorite TV show was I Love Lucy. Every Friday night, I'd watch Nick at Night and catch I Love Lucy at my grandparents' house. So it wasn't like watching something old and, and black and white and kind of dark would put me off. So I found myself really falling in love with Frankenstein. And then, of course, we had The Mummy. So I, I watched The Mummy and I really liked that. Since I've grown up and become a bigger fan of horror in general, but these movies specifically, I've discovered that The Mummy, or at least the original Mummy, tends to be a little bit hated on by some people. Or not hated on, but, you know, maybe not as loved as, as some of the others. I mean, I remember, I remember first seeing it and, you know, you get that shot of Boris Karloff as The Mummy in the first couple minutes. And then for the rest of the movie, he's not a mummy. So it took me a lot longer to really uh, appreciate The Mummy for what it is. But I can say that uh, I, I will go to bat for that movie today. I mean, it's not my favorite, but I don't think it deserves a lot of the negativity that it, it seems to get. When we get into it, it'll be funny to see, you know, which movies fare better as far as like plot, pacing, interest, design work and all that stuff. But all the creatures on their own are, are so shocking and so well designed that for me, that that is going to keep me engaged. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love the way the mummy looks in all of his forms. So I'm interested to see down the line in the movies I haven't seen what that's like. I'm really interested to see what happens to the look of the wolfman, you know, as, as time goes on and just like the the evolution of stories in general from where we're starting you know in the 20s with the phantom all the way up to like the creature in the 50s and stuff like times are going to change themes are going to change uh styles are going to change like it's all a lot of great stuff um to look forward to 
Yeah, and it's really interesting watching them in chronological order, which is what we're going to do here, uh, because we get to see kind of the ebb and flow of how Universal was making these movies. You know, they started really hot with really grand, big movies. And then as they started producing more of those, you start to notice the overall quality tends to go down a bit. And now you've got like first assistant directors, you know, taking the director spot, you know, and, and directing a, another Dracula movie or a Wolfman movie. And then, and then they come back up. Some of the classics that are in there aren't all at the beginning, right? We have the Wolfman, which comes in like about a third of the way through. It's almost like, it, like how was it, did a movie this good get stuck in somehow among what is usually thought of as kind of mediocre material. I mean, I love all of these movies. I should say that up front. But if I'm being honest, there's there's definitely a, uh, a difference between some of these movies in terms of overall quality. I'm looking forward to see, to getting into a bit of universal history as well, because from what I understand, like this saved the studio, like making these creature features, these monster movies, this sort of like, it's almost in, in those early ones with the directors we're going to get. It's like this, you know, very German expressionistic European style. And then eventually, I feel like American studios will develop their own sort of maybe slightly cheaper style. But it's funny how Universal, like, it's like, oh, thank you, monsters, for saving us. And then we're going to, like, lock you in the closet for a couple years until we need you again. And then we're going to bring you out and we're going to, like, do the Phantom again 20 years later or something like that. And, and yeah, you save us again. And so they always keep sort of leaning on that. I mean, even up to the modern age when I don't know if we're ever going to get there, but that dark universe, you know, like... It, <laughs> They keep trying. That's really interesting about sort of the, the culture of studio systems in general and stuff, and Universal in particular. Exactly. Do you have a favorite film of the ones you've seen? Does one particular film stand out to you? So I got to go right now. The one that just sort of edges it out over the other, I, I, I think Bride of Frankenstein at the moment is my favorite. James Wales, we'll talk about a lot about him, I'm sure, but he is just firing on all cylinders. Like, they're really exploring visual effects, not just makeup effects. I think there's just a lot of boundaries being pushed. Even socially, like, we could talk about the film Gods and Monsters when we get to that for a little bit if we want to. Like, there's just a lot of subtext uh, happening then, and it's surprising for the age that it was made. Uh, and I think it just holds up remarkably well. A lot of these, especially the first ones, I feel like hold up really well. So for now, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, that as, as far as like my favorite movie. I agree with you. I think the early films in this series are definitely among the strongest. And I think that was uh, just because of how much Carl Lamley, you know, how much money he threw at them. They, I mean, they look wonderful. The directors were had incredible skill. You know, Jack Pierce's makeup never looks better than in those first couple of movies. I would have to say that my favorite overall is Frankenstein. I mean, not only is it the, the one that I really gravitated towards as a kid. And so there's certainly some of that nostalgia there. But I think subjectively, as a mature adult, I still think it's the best one because it just it kind of has everything about that early era. It, it moves pretty quickly. It's a very beautiful story told really well. I, I love Dracula quite a bit also. Dracula would probably be my number two, but I, I do hear the criticism that it's a little bit slow, and I think that depends on what I'm in the mood for. I like the slowness of Dracula, but I do think that that could be a detriment if I'm not in the right mood for it. Frankenstein just kind of is beautifully paced and is perfect as far as I can see. I, I really can't find any, any flaws with it. 
I definitely love Frankenstein. I think one note to make about these movies is these are all the like, especially like Dracula, Frankenstein. Like they're they're in the very early era of sound film, right? Yes. So you can't do a lot of like beds of music while people are talking. It's like one or the other. You get music or you get voices, right? So there's a lot of silence in these movies. But for me, they create tons of atmosphere, whether it's intentional or not. It's just sort of like a byproduct or like collateral damage uh, from the technology that they had at the time. But I agree that Frankenstein is sort of like this template it really blew my mind when i realized like frankenstein there's a monster but the monster's the human and i think that's the first time that it really crossed my mind that like you know the mad scientist the movie's named after him not what he right. creates even you know all of that really got my gears turning much more than than dracula which is great but just sort of much more traditional i guess even though this is a long time ago it just feels more simplistic not in a bad way but just in a way yeah, Dracula's kind of sexy, right? As much as, as as it is a horror film, at the end of the day, a lot of it relies on the sex appeal of Bela Lugosi. You know, he's a great horror villain, one of the most iconic for sure. But when you watch Frankenstein, now you're looking at like legit monster, right? Like Jack Pierce really had to figure out what this thing would look like. You know, this is a man made from multiple bodies and stitched together. And I think that just as an idea is, is inherently much more terrifying than what is in Dracula. But also I think it's it's a more nuanced film overall, you know, because it, yes, it's a horror film, but there's an incredible amount of sadness in there. You know, like the monster is the monster, but you know, I, I find myself rooting for him more than most other monsters in this canon. So I, I think that I love the complexity of Frankenstein and how, how beautifully that it's told. It's almost visual poetry, that film. So do you have a favorite monster? Because my favorite monster is not the Frankenstein monster. Mine doesn't line up with my favorite film. It's funny. I think I know what your favorite monster is. I think I could take a, a, a guess. You know, it's funny because I didn't realize it until before we were starting the show that we had that in common, that I think the Invisible Man right now is both our favorite monster, right? And, and I'm talking about Griffin, the first Invisible Man. Yep, yep. Like, this movie is off the charts. Like, right now it's my second favorite, only because I think it's, like, in a weird way, it's scarier to me the way that the comedy is laced in throughout, and you really get a grip on his his insanity in ways that I still feel movies fail in these modern times. And I don't know if you've ever read the book. Books are going to come up possibly later on, maybe bonus episodes, you never know. But the book, like, scares the shit out of me because it's written in his perspective and you're just reading the ravings of a maniac. It's like a manifesto. Sure. I think Claude Rains does a remarkable job. That whole idea of like zero vanity and everything is through the voice and the and the projection of, of his body and all of that kind of stuff is just tremendous. So I love that we both love this this guy and I can't wait till we get to that movie too. And I can't wait to see if, if my opinion changes and you know, who knows if like the Wolfman's gonna come out on top after thirty one films, but but for now it's him. Yeah, I I don't know why um I originally decided that he was my favorite. It, it could have had something to do with the the fact that most people don't really discuss him. He's kind of in the background in these conversations. You know, most people will talk about Dracula and Frankenstein and the mummy. The mummy gets more mentions than the Invisible Man. The Creature from the Black Lagoon gets way more attention. I think I just like, I like the Invisible Man for that reason, partly because he's a little bit underrated. But at the same time, he's also maybe the most monstrous of all of these characters. He ha certainly has the highest body count. The original Invisible Man kills the most people and does it intentionally. And I think that's should be taken into consideration. I think if we're if we're ranking these monsters, he is the the most dangerous of all of them. 
because he's absolutely insane. And Claude Rains' performance in that film is brilliant. How do you put Claude Rains in a movie and not show his face? You know, he had to perform that entire role with his voice. And, you know, I think that's astounding. I don't know how big he was at the time, but like, I know this was not even his biggest role. Like it was considered for most, I think, to kind of be slumming it to do something like this, maybe. I don't know. But like, you know, he's in Robin Hood. He's in Casablanca. Like he's just a tremendous actor in general. So like for him to just, you know, be the voice is so powerful too. like everything else comes through. It's like all that other training and everything else comes through. But it also so great because it's like, you know, it's kind of an extension to me of Frankenstein where like, what if the doctor... Frankenstein turned himself into the monster like that's kind of what happened with this guy right like he tested all the shit on himself so it's like for me it's like the best of both worlds with this dude you know he's kind of wrapped up and sure he looks like the mummy but like he's a lot he's still alive like it's really weird he's like this crazy amalgam almost of what's been going on so far yeah he's got my top spot and has for quite a while so I'm really excited to get into that particular movie the sequels will uh, be an entirely different experience I promise but but yeah, that first Invisible Man is uh, absolutely uh, incredible. I think that about will wrap us up for tonight. I really just wanted to, you know, get a little bit of an introduction to who we are, what we're into, and what we're most looking forward to with this franchise. I feel it's important to mention right now off the top that we are not experts. We are lovers of these uh, films and characters. So we will, we may be prone to mistakes from time to time, but you are more than welcome to get in touch with us and correct us if need be. So our first episode is going to drop on Friday, October 30th. That's Friday right before Halloween. Mike and I will be discussing The Phantom of the Opera, the original silent film from 1925, starring the man of a thousand faces himself, Mr. Lon Chaney. Uh, After that, we're going to be releasing new episodes on the last Friday of every month, so make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to the show, so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on Twitter at MonsterMadePod, on Instagram and Facebook at TheMonstersThatMadeUs, and you can email us if you want to at TheMonstersThatMadeUs at gmail.com. If you want, you can follow me. I'm on Twitter at Dan Cologne. Mike, where can listeners follow you? You can find all my previous podcast endeavors and work at cageclub.me, um, facebook.com slash cageclub, at cageclubpod on Twitter. Follow the show's Twitter. No one wants to follow my Twitter. It's toxic. <laughs> I don't even want to be on Twitter. Don't seek me out there. What I like is I just type my name into Spotify and like every show I'm on comes up. We're all in there. I think um, all of our shows might be on Amazon as well. Yeah, I think cageclub.me is probably the best place. You just you can even go to the hosts tab on the menu bar and click down to me. And then again, everything I'm on will pop up there. Awesome. Before we go, I just want to give a quick shout out to my pal Rob Kelly, who designed our incredible logo. You can check out him on Twitter at Film and Water Pod. He's got a whole podcast network of his own, lots of comic book related content and some movie stuff over there too, if you want to check that out. But uh, I really just want to give Rob a shout out because he did an excellent job on our logo and I really couldn't be happier with it. So thank you, Rob, for the beautiful logo. With that, I think it's time for Mike and I to slink back down into our crypts. I hope everyone has a wonderful and safe (laughs) October and we'll see you on the 30th with our very first episode. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.